Hello, my name is Keon Henderson, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Take Action with Keon. You know, I'm going to start this podcast in a way that I have never started any of my previous ones. I'm going to start them with a series of quotes. Quote number one. Control your own destiny. Or someone else will. Quote number two. Change before you have to. Quote number three. An organization's ability to learn and translate that learning into action rapidly is the ultimate competitive advantage. Quote number four. If you don't have a competitive advantage, don't compete. Quote number five. Face reality as it is, not as it was or as you wish it to be. Quote number six, willingness to change is a strength, even if it means plunging part of the company into total confusion for a while. Quote number seven, number one, cash is king. Number two, communicate. Number three, buy or bury the competition. Quote eight. I've learned that mistakes can often be as good a teacher as success. Quote nine. Strong managers who make tough decisions to cut jobs provide the only true job security in today's world. Weak managers are the problem. Weak managers destroy jobs. Quote 10. I was afraid of the Internet because I could not type. None of those are my words. All of those are the words of the renowned author and CEO, Jack Welch. Everybody knows about his great work at GE. In fact, on our staff here, we have a young lady who was actually trained by Mr. Welch. Her principles and work ethic and her mindset is invaluable. I've, ne- I've never met Mr. Welch. I, I wish to one day, but I have not ever. And yet I can give you 10 quotes off of the top of my head that belong to him. Why is that? Because you don't have to meet all of your mentors. I've never met him physically, but I have met him through his writings and in his book winning which is the book that I have in front of me right now of which I will share some excerpts from you for you is how to handle the crises that come with managing your own business managing your own corporations because I don't care who you are I don't care how smart you are and I don't care how well oiled your machine is you will always be confronted with a crisis. We see, as a manager of my own company, my wife and I, not only just the church, but we own our own tax franchise. As I am recording this right now, my wife is somewhere in one of our offices making sure that the crisis doesn't become a conflict. See, managers can waste 
a lot of time at the beginning of a crisis denying that something is wrong. You know, I am like a fireman when it comes to my businesses. I run into the house while everyone else is running away from it. Because my rationale is, is if I can get in the house while only the kitchen is on fire, perhaps I'll lose the kitchen, but I can save the foundation. By standing on the outside as a spectator and allowing the fire to gain momentum and strength, you end up losing the whole house when you only had to lose a room. As a manager of your company, as the CEO of your life, <laughs> you have to first assume that the problem is worse than it appears. Secondly, you have to assume that there are no secrets in the world and that everyone will eventually find out everything. Third, you have to assume you and your organization's handling of the crisis will be portrayed in the worst possible light. If your company is so fortunate to become media worthy, never get in arguments with the media and your own media and your own organization can be a tough audience during times of trouble. In both cases, the implication is the same. Define your own position early and often. Fourth, assume that there will be changes in the process and the people. Fifth, assume your organization will survive ultimately stronger for what happened. Those are just some keys, some tips, some clues on how to manage the crises of your life. Now, at first, that's going to be tough because nobody likes to run into the fire because there's so much heat associated with it. You know, everyone who works here uh, at the office with me knows that I have a certain practice, and that is I often walk around our facility with what I call my heat-seeking missile mentality. I walk in every room. I walk in every restroom. I walk in every office. For those of y'all who don't know the size building that I'm talking about, right now we're on about 30 acres with about 65,000 square feet. There's at least 150 rooms in this facility. And today, I walked in every one of them. Yes, yes, the closet. Yes, the electric room because the electric room shows me what the maintenance man is doing. The restroom shows me what the house cleaning company is doing. I walked in every classroom. I looked at every teacher. I walked into the daycare and I looked at every child care provider. I went into our youth minister's office. I went into our congregational care office. I went into our media room. I went into the sound booth. I went into every room in this place, allowing the tentacles of my managerial prospect to fill the environment of this entire building. And today, my tentacles <laughs> were able to, if you will, to detect a little bit of dissension in a corner. And so what did I do? I brought a couple people together and I told them that I had felt that something was amiss. I did not say this in the vacuum because I'd already interviewed about three people to ensure that what I was feeling was not off. 
it was validated by those individuals. And so I brought them in. And within 10 minutes, we were able to prevent what could have been a problem just by having the fireman mentality, by running right into the face of those you manage and not allowing them to continue to kick cans down the road because eventually a small thing can become a big thing. I believe that the first thing you have to do is you have to have tight controls over your business. You have to have disciplined financials and accounting systems and tough internal and external auditing process. You should not allow money to be spent without some sort of track record. And I was watching television the other day and one of my favorite shows was on TV and one of the guys went in and as he was purchasing a business from someone else, he says, where are your financials? And they gave him financials that were about six months old. Let me tell you, you cannot be six months behind on your finances and expect to be six months ahead in your profit. An organization's line managers should be required to review and act on every audit finding. The second way to prevent a crisis is with good internal processes. You gotta have rigorous hiring processes. You, you gotta have candid performance reviews. You have to tell people if they're doing a good job or a bad job and you can't be afraid to do that. You gotta have comprehensive training programs that makes the company's policies nothing short of crystal clear. And then as the leader, which is most important of all, you have to allow those who are subject to you to see you adhering to the rules you preach. I am not perfect, but I do my best to make sure that those uh, who work with me and all of our organizations see me doing the same things that I am asking them to do. I never walk past paper that I am not willing to pick up. I won't walk in the bathroom and see it filthy and leave it the way it is. You got to manage your situations no matter how tough they get. And this may make you laugh, but this is true. My wife right now is working pretty hard. She works about four months out of the year. And during those four months out of the year, I become like a single father because she's always gone. And... In this particular uh, area of our life, uh, she is uh, working hard at the tax office and she'll get home sometimes at nine or 10 o'clock at night. And what I'll have to do is make sure that when she gets home, everything is taken care of. So I'll bathe the baby. I will fold the clothes. I have to admit, I don't do any cooking. God is still working on me and don't you judge me, but I am great at making reservations. Let me tell you something. I may not be able to make food, but I can make a reservation. I can place an order and have that food there hot and ready to go. I can time and say, baby, when are you going to be there? I know how long it's going to take and I'll make sure it's warm when she arrives. By the way, my wife loves pizza, which makes my job of ordering very, very easy. <laughs> but I make sure that if she's going to work late, that the clothes are folded, that the clothes are washed, that the baby is clean. Now, I must admit, I don't wash the clothes. I must admit, I don't wash the baby. And I know that sounds ridiculous, wash the baby. I don't bathe our five-year-old. See, I bring together my support staff. See, my mother 
and my mother-in-law, they manage the bathing ministry. <laughs> We've got a couple of people who help us clean the house and they manage the clothes ministry. So what I do is I make sure that I manage my team. Now that may sound funny to you, but the end goal is to make sure that when Felicia Annette Henderson gets home after a long day's work, that she doesn't have to come home and be a housewife when she is commensurate in the same amount of hours in a day of work as I am, I cannot expect her to come home and do things that even I would not feel like doing. So what I do is I build our team together. And for the sake of the house, the team is mom and mother-in-law and sisters and aunts. But you have to do the same thing at your job. You can't do everything. And any business where the person who owns it does everything, it is not a company, it is a hobby. You've got to make sure that there are things that you can place in the hands of others. And if they do not do them in the fashion that you like them done, then remember this. Leadership is more show than it is tell. In other words, you have to show people what you want and you cannot always relegate to telling them what you want. You've got to be able to show them people who break the rules do not leave the company for personal reasons or to spend more time with their families. People break the rules because they see the rules are already broken. And so here's a plan of action that you can implement as you begin to manage the crises in your company, in your family, in your life, or perhaps in your mind. Number one, the problem is worse than it appears. No matter how hard you might wish to pray, very few crises start small and stay that way. The vast majority are bigger in scope than you could ever imagine, and they require more time than you could ever dream. So make sure that you assume that the problem is worse than it is. And if it is not, what a blessing that you brought a gun to a knife fight, if you will. Over preparation is better than the lack of preparation. I'm not saying that the correct mindset means you should fold and cry and tuck your tail and run. Sometimes you are absolutely clean and you still need to fight. I remember one time my mentor told me, and I've got several of them, I was being sued uh, by somebody for something frivolous. I, I believe it was over uh, some antennas um, to some equipment once we had let um, one of our employees go and they were suing me for these uh, antennas. And uh, I think the antennas were worth about $500 a piece. And, and then they were suing me for pain and suffering. And so the lawsuit came to about $5,000. And I was saying to my mentor, I was saying, this is ridiculous. I, am, I, I, I have nothing to hide. I'm, I, I don't know why this is going on. And I said, I'm, I'm thinking about just settling uh, with my attorney and just go ahead and, and pay this guy the $5,000 and get it out of the way because my lawyer is going to cost me more than $5,000. And he looked me in my face and he said, do not settle. He says, because if you get a reputation for settling, people will sue you and you will be settling for things that you're not guilty of all of your days. He says, fight, even if it costs you more to fight the case than it does to win the case, fight. And I fought and I won. And although it cost me considerable more money to win, I've not had frivolous suits like that again. 
and the reputation that I tried to give was that we would fight. Sometimes you are absolutely clean and you still need to fight. Number two, assume there are no secrets in the world and that everyone will eventually find out. We said that and in this talk, I just want you to know that anytime you're in a discussion with somebody, you have to assume that they're trying to use that information for a purpose other than what you intended. So make sure that you're not saying anything around anybody that you don't mind repeating in a public position. Number three, you and your organization's handling of your crisis will be portrayed in the worst possible light. In other words, the person who has the most is always afforded the least. What do I mean by that? And I hope you take this the right way because it's the best way I can explain it. See, I am about six, four, so I'm six feet, four inches. I'm rather thin built. I am about 212 pounds. I'm a lot stronger than I look, but if you look at me from a distance, you would assume that, uh, that I'm skinny, if you will. And if a person uh, who was struggling with obesity came up to me and said, you're skinny, you need to go get something to eat. <laughs> Why are you so frail? You look like you're getting ready to die of starvation. That would be considered funny and people would laugh hysterically. And believe me, it's been said to me, <laughs> and I laughed when it was said. But take me and my frame, and I go up to someone who's struggling with obesity, and I begin to talk about their weight, and I begin to talk about them, then that would be cruel in the eyes of some, because the more you have, the less you can say. In other words, the better your positioning is perceived to be the more scrutiny you are under for your stance and your position. And so when your company is successful, you have to understand that there are people who don't have your levels of success who already view people like you in a negative way, which is why you have to assume that it will come out in the worst possible light. Reporters are not in the business of telling your side of the story. They are in the business of telling the story as they see it. So you've got to stand up and define your position before someone else does. And if you don't, your lack of visibility and vision will be taken as an admission of guilt. So you got to openly discuss the situation. You got to define your position. You got to explain why the problem happened and how you're going to handle it. Number four, there will be changes in the process and the people. Almost no crisis ends without blood on the floor. That's self-explanatory. I will go to my last final position. Number five, the organization will survive ultimately stronger for what happened. I'm telling you right now that no matter what you're going through, you're going to win. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be wiser. And guess what? You're going to be better. So for all of you all who are going to build these conglomerates, and I am so excited that some of you will be on the the cover of Fortune magazine, of Forbes magazine and Fortune. Some of you all will, will be uh, in People and Ebony and Essence and Jet. And some of you all will be on Departures covers. And you're going to do all kinds of things. And I'm excited. But you better believe that if there is no struggle, there is no progress. The great Frederick Douglass said that. So you got to learn how to define your position and 
manage your crisis before it becomes a catastrophe. I want to thank you for this time that you spent with me. I hope the information was helpful. I don't wish that you would go through anything, but if you do, remember, you are a fireman, not a spectator. Friends and colleagues, it's time to take action and subscribe to this podcast. Follow Kian Henderson on social media at Pastor Kian. Visit the website daily for lifestyle, leadership, and learning at kianhenderson.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep doing life.